Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about thoracic outlet syndrome. I know we've been doing a lot of shoulder work lately. I thought that um, I, you know, I had a patient recently who had this. It gave me the thought of doing a podcast about it because it can look like so many other things. Um, but before we get started with this, I just wanted to, you know, talk to you all about this this crisis that we're in with the coronavirus and uh, you know I just received a call recently from a registrant who felt bad about not being able to come to one of my courses that I'm going to be holding live this week and um, you know I felt bad for her she felt bad about not coming and um, you know it's really a, a, a terrible thing that is happening and um, but we're all going through it and uh, we understand that it's a very difficult situation and when I was talking to her about this, it made me really think about, you know, how important it is to continue to do some of the teaching, although we can't do the hands-on teaching and mentoring like I love to do. Um, sometimes that's just not feasible. Uh, so things like teleconferencing and online learning, online coaching, podcasting can be a great way to decrease, you know, that pause in learning and sharing. So, you know, we some of us may be quarantined. We may be stuck in our homes for a couple of weeks, not being able to go to work. This is a great time to learn more and to to listen more and uh, be with our families and uh, just really expand you know our knowledge base so uh, with that being said you know I decided to step it up a notch with my online webinars online courses and uh, even some online coaching times uh, that I've expanded so I want to you know I want you all to stay tuned uh, because I'm going to be doing a free webinar soon and um, I'm going to be giving out all kinds of great information about that I'm trying to set it up right now. And um, if you are interested in being in part of this webinar, uh, which will be for free, make sure you go to the links in the show notes today and there will be a link to sign up um, to give us your email so that I can get that to you. And anybody on that list will get an email and we will uh, have a webinar and we will just have a big question and answer session, hopefully do a, a lot of learning and um, answer some questions and uh, just to uh, get to know you a little bit better. So um, sorry for that lengthy intro, but today we're going to be talking about thoracic outlet syndrome. There are two types. We're going to talk about those two types. We're going to talk about the special test that I like to use and how to differentiate between the two. And I'll also talk about some uh, treatment suggestions. But before we jump into that, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. A good night's sleep is what everybody needs. Fresh rest bedding will keep you comfortable all night. Our advanced textiles and weave wicks moisture and also regulates body temperature. This design, coupled with our all-natural organic antimicrobial, eliminates 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria, as well as dust mites, which are an allergen to many. Because our bedding stays fresh longer, it is eco-friendly, as it only requires washing once a month on average. This bedding is also known for its incredible softness. Our antimicrobial is all-natural and organic. No metals, waxes, chemicals, or nanos. Our sheets will never leach onto or into your skin ever. These sheets are safe for your entire family. Fresh Rest is designed and engineered by Maine Lee Technology Group, based in Wells, Maine, and our sheets are made for the USA. Fresh Rest Bedding is only available for purchase through our e-commerce website by visiting freshrestbedding.com. Once again, that's freshrestbedding.com. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So the thing about thoracic outlet syndrome is that it can complicate our upper extremity evaluation quite a bit. It can look like a cervical spine nerve root compression. It can look like cubital tunnel, carpal tunnel syndrome, um, and many other upper extremity issues and can be difficult to identify sometimes. But what we're going to do is we're going to start first with vascular thoracic outlet syndrome and talk a little bit about the anatomy. Now, the anatomy is pretty much the same for both vascular and neuro. Um, but let's let's talk about this a little bit. So that thoracic outlet really sits between the clavicle and the first rib, and the structures that go in between that area get compressed somehow. Okay, um, it could be um, you know from a traumatic accident. Some people have a first rib that uh, can contribute to taking up space there. We I've seen people with an enlarged first rib that can cause some trouble. People who um, you know. Have a, you know weightlifters and uh, females are more apt to get this than males, uh, primarily because of the bra strap pushing down uh, on that area and causing some compression there. The average age of people who develop thoracic outlet syndrome is between 20 and 40 years old. So this is fairly common in people who use heavy backpacks. And like I said, that bra strap pulling down really hard uh, on that clavicle can really cause some issues there. Um, so what does thoracic outlet syndrome present like? Patients will usually complain of a global discomfort throughout the upper extremity. It does not usually follow a dermatomal pattern. They'll commonly report a dead, and this is, these are terms that I hear all the time, It feel my arms feel dead or heavy or like they feel cold. But not only do they feel cold, but they actually do get cold, okay, because you're getting less blood flow into that arm, getting less uh, vascular uh, venous return also, and uh, that can give you that sensation. There's usually no loss of deep tendon reflexes, though, or loss of sensation or loss of muscle strength when people have vascular thoracic outlet syndrome. So that's how you can help determine between a vascular versus neurogenic. And these folks usually have difficulty with performing overhead activities, such as using a hair dryer uh, overhead, painting the ceiling, or even with their arms in an outreached position in front of them, like reading a book or driving a car. It's common. They'll, they'll say, yeah, I drive my car, then I take one arm down, and I shake it out a little bit, then I switch hands and shake out the other one and um, they can get a little bit of return and they feel a little bit better but as soon as they put those arms back up and out in front of them again or up above um, they have this this heaviness type of feeling that they really don't like so how do you test for vascular thoracic thoracic outlet syndrome well really the, the best way to, to test to see if there is a true vascular occlusion is with you know doppler ultrasound but you know clinically in the in the clinic Oftentimes, your subjective questioning will really reveal the diagnosis, like asking some of the questions that we talked about above. Um, but I also like to do a couple special tests to help rule out that vascular thoracic outlet syndrome. Um, and I usually do this after I have done my cervical spine clearing exam. So I know a lot of you already know that I like to do uh, upper extremity reflex testing, do a Hoffman's test and look for any myelopathy, any um, sort of radiculopathy. And so I always do that cervical spine clearing test first. The next test I like to do is the ruse test, okay? And what you do is basically get both arms up in the pitcher's position, basically the shoulders at 90 degrees, elbows at 90 degrees, 
and I ask the patient to completely open the hand and close the hand, and I make that very clear that they do that. The test is supposed to be done for up to three minutes, but really, if somebody has thoracic outlet syndrome, vascular thoracic outlet syndrome, they're going to have a hard time doing this test for 30 seconds, okay? And I'm going to have a video in the uh, link, uh, linked in the show notes so that you can go over and take a look at what the uh, ruse test looks like. Um, so I have them open and close those hands, and I don't tell them what they're going to feel. All right. I let them explain to me what they are feeling. And oftentimes it's a heaviness or a cold feeling. It might be a little deep ache um, and, and like a dead feeling. And then oftentimes they're going to feel like they're losing coordination and those arms are just really getting heavy. Now I look at the hand and I look to see, you know, is it really getting pale? Uh, are they losing circulation in that area? And um, is that coordination of opening the hand and closing the hand um, becoming incoordinated and that's quite common where the fingers just don't seem to function very well um, and then you know you tell them okay go ahead and put those arms down and they put the arms down and you can see the blood flow coming back into the hands and arms and um, that's a, a pretty cool test and, and when you see it and it's positive it's pretty dramatic um, the next test I like to do is the AdSense test where um, you take the patient's pulse the radial pulse and you bring their arm passively up into 90 degrees of abduction and external rotation so that you're basically in the pitcher's position again and about 90 degrees of the elbow. Now, it's very important that the patient is relaxing the arm into your hands because if they shrug the shoulder to hold it up, it can alter the test some. Okay, so I'm checking the pulse as I'm bringing that arm into external rotation while the arm is already up at night, while the shoulder is already up at 90 degrees. Okay, of abduction. I will then have them look in the direction of the arm, and I also have them look up toward the ceiling and occasionally have them take a deep breath and hold that for a little bit. Now, if you go through that whole procedure and their pulse slows a little bit, it doesn't mean they have thoracic outlet syndrome. I become more concerned with the people who start to lose that pulse when you are getting them up in that pitcher's position, and maybe you're at 60 degrees of external rotation, and then they lose that pulse and they haven't even turned their neck yet, um, then what I'll do is I'll bring that arm down a little bit, turn the neck again to see if that pulse goes away, and if it does, after bringing the arm down, then that's a pretty good sign. Usually they'll also complain of the arm being heavy or, you know, kind of a tingly feeling and, and, and kind of a dead feeling. So um, that will bother them also. But the key here is that they relax their shoulder, and you do, as a practitioner, the uh, work for them, okay, so that it's all passive. Um, so the positioning of those uh, are very important. So you can check those out in the videos. I have demonstrations um, of how to perform those tests because I know it's hard for you to envision how to do that uh, on a podcast. So now let's talk a little bit about neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. Now this is the most common type of thoracic outlet syndrome, but to be totally honest with you, in the last 27 years, I have seen way more vascular thoracic outlet syndrome than I have neurogenic. Um, but let's talk about it a little bit. So we're still talking about the same location you know, between that first rib and that clavicle. Um, and you get this compression, but the compression is more of the brachial plexus structures. Okay, These people will have signs of muscle wasting, typically at the base of the thumb, some tingling into the arm and hands, uh, even some numbness uh, into the arm or hands and they can even lose some grip strength. They can also develop this achiness, okay, in the neck, shoulder, and hands. The feeling is a little bit different, and typically these people will have more of a uh, uh, dermatomal uh, pattern, um, unlike 
vascular thoracic outlet syndrome, which is more globalized. You basically treat both of these, you know, very, very similarly. Um, and you look, number one, at what is causing the compression, okay? Is there a postural issue here? Is there, you know, are they carrying something on their shoulder that is putting a lot of compression there? Um, or is there maybe an ergonomic issue at work? I love to do ergonomic evaluations because such small changes can make a world of difference in regards to thoracic outlet syndrome. So I always make it a point to try to get into the workplace, especially if there are people who stand or sit in one position for a long period of time. Um, I might start with some soft tissue modalities around the shoulder, try to get those, um, you know, muscles relaxed. We want to get those scalenes to relax because those scalenes, when they become tight, can push that vascular structure up against the um, the first rib and clavicle and cause some issues there and um, slow that blood flow down, basically like a crimping of the vascular supply. So I like to do some stretching of uh, the scalenes. After that, I, I really like to place these people on a really aggressive uh, and rigorous postural exercise program um, to work on thoracic kyphosis reduction. So a stretching of the pec minor especially and pec major, working on the uh, scapular retractors. I like to work on shoulder external rotation as I'm activating the periscapular muscles also. I think core stabilization is very important and avoiding sustained postural stress. So getting people out of these these sustained postures for a long time, breaking that up and doing some uh, exercise and activity uh, can help. With the neurogenic um, thoracic outlet syndrome, you may want to consider some nerve gliding activities. Once you've worked on the posture, that can help mobilize uh, that brachial plexus, and people can uh, do fairly well with that. Now, most people will, and I, by most people, I mean over 90% of patients will improve with conservative therapy um, by changing the posture and working on a thoracic kyphosis reduction program. Not everybody will get 100% better. There is a very small percentage of people that require surgery, and I always remember this one young lady who came in. She started doing a lot of overhead um, crawl and swimming and it developed this severe pain in her arm. It became very swollen. The whole arm was swollen. She could barely move it. It was very bluish. You could see the veins like popping out in her arm. And um, when we sent her in, she had uh, a Paget-Schroeder syndrome, so an enlarged first rib that caused this excessive compression on the vascular structures. Um, she ended up having surgery. If I remember right, they removed her first rib. She did awesome after that. Um, so some of these folks will need um, to have surgery, but not everybody will. So that is thoracic outlet syndrome in a nutshell. Um, make sure that you check the uh, the links in the show notes today. We have all kinds of ways to get connected with us and uh, with lots of information, a lot of new information coming up here because I know people are going to be cooped in. They're not going to be getting out as much and uh, it's a great time to learn. So let's let's stay connected. And I just wanted to uh, wish you all you know good health and uh, I hope you have a safe week and uh, we will talk to you next week. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.